0: The following opinions and ideas are that of the host and or contributors of the eat this podcast and are for the purposes of general information and entertainment only and do not necessarily reflect the thoughts or ideas of the distributor. Casting to the world from inside her closet and high above the streets of Toronto, this is Eat This with Leanne. Here's your host, registered nutritionist, Leanne Phillipson. You've heard the saying, you are what you eat, right? Well... I don't necessarily sit there and look at the blueberries that I had for breakfast, you know, going kind of purple, like what was that? The uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Chris, I think that's what happened when somebody ate a blueberry or something like that. And then turned
1: into a blueberry. Yes. Yes. Right. A, A famous scene. Yep.
0: Yep. But I do know that my cells are happier for the vitamin C for the vitamin K1, the manganese and potassium and all those plant antioxidants that come from that vibrant purple color My gut loves the fiber and my mouth loves the sweet taste too. But what if my blueberries were conventionally grown? What if I didn't actually buy organic berries? Would that add to the burden of chemicals that my microbiome has to stay steady despite this chemical influence or that my liver has to break down and detoxify and my cells protect themselves from. Now, the part two to thinking about this idea is that conventionally grown blueberries or any crop for that matter, they follow farming practices that produce food with, oh, in the realm of like 50% less nutrients than years gone by. So while blueberries are known to contain those nutrients that I first mentioned, just how much of those goodness is in the blueberries these days? Just to think a little further outside of the box from blueberries, because like I said, it's not only that, what about the oats? What about the rice that we eat? What about the meat? The cows, what are the animals eating? What about what the chickens are eating? The dairy that we get from the cows or the eggs that we get from the plants. And really just all those greens and those veggies that I keep suggesting that you eat all the time. The one thing in everything that I've just talked about is that they're grown in soil. The soil can only give us or give to the plants, give to the animals, what's available to them as they grow. Everything that we eat is impacted by the state of the soil. The chemical load from herbicides and pesticides, well, that doesn't only just sit on the plants. It gets into the soil and that has a negative impact on the microorganisms that are in there. So the good bugs, a little bit like what I talk about when I talk about your gut health and all of your microbiomes, It's those microorganisms that produce nutrients, just like your gut producing vitamin B and vitamin K2. We've talked about that before. And all of that then gets into the plants. Now, the plants are those ones that we eat, but then, like I said, they're fed to the chickens, they get into the eggs, they get into the cows or the goats or the sheeps or whatever that then also gets into the milk. And even some of the runoff from all, these, all this farming, well, all of that stuff gets into our streams, our lakes, our oceans, and they affect the fish that you're trying to eat more of for all those extra omega-3s, because I keep talking about that too. Now, I know, I know it sounds rather doom doom and gloom as I'm setting up this episode. And if you're really focusing on eating all of this colorful produce, adding in the greens, getting away from as much processed foods, the sugars, and, you know, really all the things that I suggest on this podcast. And now you're thinking, oh, man, you're not going to layer in how deficient the soil is and what a mess all these farming methods are. Oh, no, I don't know. I'm going to skip to a more lighthearted episode. What are you talking about? No, wait, 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 wait. wait. Is, it can th- feel heavy, it, can't it, Chris? Sure,
1: it can. But we're not trying to preach here. You're not preaching. No, Listen, you're just, no. all you're doing, all you're doing, there's so much information out there. And to be honest with you, the worst way to get information is to go on the internet and <laughs> and fall down one of those holes and get yeah. lost forever. And that, to me, is more... Stress-filled and anxiety-filled. I'd rather sit down and listen yes. to someone pleasant and knowledgeable, like yourself, yes. right? Yes. Who can just give Thank me yes. a few tidbits of I- important information. I can digest that easily and I can do with it as I please.
0: That's exactly it. Yeah, exactly. Because like this is where knowledge is power and knowing the source of where you're getting your knowledge from is also really important. But knowing what you can do better, knowing how to choose the best you can from what's available to you and of course within your budget, because sometimes when you say organic, people go, oh, no, that's too expensive. No, I can't do that. I can't do that. Because knowing really where are you going to spend your hard-earned dollars in your budget to give you and your family the best that you can, it's powerful. Like it, you know, it, it keeps you in your power and impactful rather than thinking, oh, you know, I don't really know what to do now and hiding back under the duvet again because there's a no, <laughs> you know something new to process and think about. Well, there's so many yeah. things
1: out there that we have zero control over. Here's something that we can grab onto with both hands. Exactly. It's it's exactly. our control. It's our power.
0: Exactly what I'm talking about thank you. Perfectly said, Chris. Now coming across a new saying that soil health equals human health was tacked onto a new way of farming that's happening that I didn't actually really know about and felt like, oh God, am I, like, am I behind here? I didn't hear about this before. So I thought it seemed appropriate to, you know, as I come across something new and I want to learn about it, well, I just bring you all along for the journey with me. Now, what am I talking about? It's regenerative farming, even called regenerative organic farming by my guest today. And she's going to break down what the difference is, if there is, in fact, a difference. But really, this is a worthy conversation to broaden our understanding about what's out there, like what's happening out there, because it's not just us that keep learning new things everybody out there learns new things and that includes the farmer. So today on Eat This with Leanne, a chat with Stephanie Alexander, founder of the first and only regenerative organic farming in the U.S. And she's going to share what do we need to know about it, how to find foods that are farmed this way, why do we care, of course, and what is it going to do for you? One thing that's been on my mind of late since getting my DNA test results back from the dnacompany.com forward slash eat this for you to get your own is really like when we went over those results, Chris, in episode 111, that my body is not so crash hot on detoxifying the stuff that it takes in from food, through breathing, and through what I put on my skin. So that's actually been top of mind lately as I'm listening to other podcasts and things like that. So I'm aware that there's some potential for all sorts of things to go wrong if I'm topped up with hormones, chemicals, heavy metals, herbicides, pesticides, glyphosate. That's such a huge one, really, in our day and age. And who knows what else? So I'm shifting my attention to what I can actually control and what goes into my body. Because like you said, Chris, that's really the big thing. That's the thing that we can control. Now, I already use pretty clean skincare, shampoo, makeup. So I'm doing pretty good there. Cleaning products around, yeah, I've probably got a couple of things left over. So I'm about 70% there so that I know that in my own environment that, again, I can control. I know that there's mostly clean stuff there. And food, well, that's always a work in progress. Only because I'm still learning about things like for this topic uh, on today's episode and putting my attention on a new one is on farming methods. Well, I didn't really know that we were gonna be here today, Chris, but as soon as I see something like this, I'm like, I wanna know more, I wanna know more. And of course, as always, I'm gonna share it with you. Now, I usually buy my greens from my local market that I go to every Saturday. It's from small producers and farmers, and I can ask about their practices. So I make the most of that, you know, like, hey, how did you grow this? Is this inside? Is this outside? These microgreens that are going on the top of my salads are beautiful. But like, how are you growing them and what's happening? But that's also kind of my geeky mind that loves it. And I know that there's no one standing next to the box of spinach at the supermarket or Costco that I can also ask those questions too because wouldn't that be funny chris if you turned off and you're like so are these peppers hydroponic or you know which means they're kind of grown in a um uh in a greenhouse right or what's happening with your with your peppers these days and all of those kind of things right like it's a it it would be funny i think (laughs) it'd be very hard to social distance from all the people who are you know who are telling you about the things that you're buying actually that is Pretty much the experience that I have when I go to the market, you know, the, the person standing behind the table with all the goods on the table are the ones probably either producing or they're directly related or they're working for them so they, they can answer all those questions. I mean, that's, like I said, those are the kind of things that I just geek out on. As I continue to make my batches of salads, I make a whole bunch of them every single week after I come back from the market and I have those for my lunch every single day. I want to know that what I'm adding is the best that's available to me. So I thought, why not find out more and what seems to be the best practice or the kind of leading edge practices in farming, which is what this sounds to me like a lot about. Now, to do that, my guest today, Stephanie Alexander, who, with her husband, Blake, now they're the founders of the Alexander Dairy Farm, which is a recent winner of the Whole Foods Market Supplier of the Year Award. Now, she's in the U.S. and really Whole Foods in the U.S. is a lot bigger than it is here in Canada. So that's a pretty high accolade, I'd say. The Alexander Family Farm, it's certified and the first and only regenerative organic dairy farm in the United States and their farming practices help reverse global warming as well. Now that's something I'm really going to do a deep dive into because that doesn't necessarily always go together where dairy farming or cow farming and their practices are actually good to reverse global warming. We're going to ask Stephanie all about this, all these methods that are called regenerative. What does that mean? Is it a new buzzword? And hear her story that she, her husband, and her five kids are impacting in their farming and really how that's going out into the world. All right, well, welcome to Eat This with Leanne. Stephanie, thank you so much for being here. And I'm already so excited about learning about, about yourself, about what regenerative organic farming is. So I'm just going to let you jump right in with telling us a bit about yourself and then also about this way of farming, please.
2: Well, thank you, Leanne. Um, I'm fourth generation dairy farmer with, as well as my husband. And so we both born and raised on dairies. And we really, regenerative farming really is a term that came to light to us a couple of years ago, but actually the method we've been doing really for generations, we really honed in on it. Um, probably in the early 90s when we learned about building organic matter in the soil and how important that is, uh, especially to do no harm to that soil. And when you build organic matter, you're building the microbes, you're feeding them, you're taking care of them. And, and that's what regenerative farming is. Regenerative is the opposite of degenerating. So mm-hmm. we don't want to degenerate soil. We want to regenerate it. We want to build it. We want to do no harm. It's a farming practice that relies on nature, not harsh chemicals or destructive practices like farming and killing.
0: Okay, so tell us a little bit more about the nutritive aspect to this because in the research that I was looking at, it really comes down to the microbes, is that right? Of what's in the soil?
2: Yes, that's exactly right. And it's all about feeding those microbes. For us on our farm, when we look at a field, we um we look at it and yay, yeah, it's looking great. And we might look at another field. And throughout the year, my husband Aunt Blake and and our son Christian and Dr. Vanessa, they look at the fields and they'll determine what is the worst 20%, the, the 20% of our land that needs improving. So we look at it and we want to build those microbes up. So what we'll do is we'll graze it um, with rotational grazing, which is good for the field. And we graze it aggressively so that we can almost expose some soils. And then we add compost to it. And compost is very nutritious from our farm. And so we're feeding those, soils, those soil microbes. And um, when we do that, that um, grows that organic matter. And the more organic matter you have down there, the more life. It's kind of like your gut health, is mm-hmm. your microbe health in your gut. It's the same with the soil. So as we do that, we're build, growing more nutrient-dense crops. Also, as we do that, we're increasing the water holding capacity mm-hmm. in our fields. And also, the soils are warmer in the winter. We can see that the grasses are growing Um, more vibrant and green in the winter winter compared to maybe our neighbors that aren't doing the practices we started implementing almost 30 years ago.
0: And the aspect of the regenerative organic farming, like does that go together? Is that, you know, kind of just normal or is the organic aspect to what you're doing another
2: level to
0: regenerative farming?
2: Definitely it's another level. But, okay. uh, and they do go hand in hand and people who, for example, uh, my husband loves to say that when you're going regenerative, it's a nice conversation to have with a conventional farmer because you're really asking them to change churches, not religions. So just apply a couple of these techniques and you'll start building organic matter in that soil. And that's what's going to grow more crops long term. It's not an immediate effect like um, putting a chemical on it but it is a long-term solution to a a thing we want to make better. And that's our ecosystem and that's our our food production system. And so when you talk to another farmer about regenerative, you're really talking about soil health and we really want to keep that conversation going. But if you talk to them about organic, sometimes they're like, oh, I can't go that way. That's like changing religions in my world. And so we want to have those conversations with conventional farmers and and love having those conversations. My husband has spoken at a National Farm Bureau conference just about honoring the soils like you would your grandchildren. You really honor the system.
0: So what is it that, we the end user the person putting the food in our mouth from these these farming practices what are the benefits that we're we're getting from this from all the effort that you you're making and this way that you're you know how is this impacting us at this real kind of like micro level for us and even our microbiome
2: well personally what we we found is we believe the food tastes better when you have nutrient density when you have great nutrition and it's coming from soils that are super healthy, super regenerative, and high in organic matter, that is going to be more nutrient dense. So one, it tastes better. And then in that growing that organic matter, you're reducing carbon monoxide. um, You're drawing it down. So it's really good for the earth. And you also, in our practices, because we've concentrated on just riparian areas, because we live on the coast by the ocean in, in Northern California, right on the Oregon border, We're in an area where we have a lot of migratory waterfowl. We have a lot of just different species that live on our ranch, and they're all benefiting too. And because of that healthy system, because we don't have erosion, we don't farm our fields, we're all in permanent pastures that our cattle graze on, then we have clean water that comes off of our
0: fields. Maybe just to take a step back from the practices that you do, can you help us understand a bit more about what's your typical conventional farming methods whether it's for dairy which is what you focus on um and chickens which i know is part of your farmer the the larger part of you know if we look at just greens and blueberries as uh, you know as i talked about off the top and and things like that what's your what's the standard practices for that just so we have an idea and then can really piece together what the difference is
2: I know that in the conventional world, they're allowed to use the pesticides, the herbicides, and, and especially what concerns me, I mean, all of that concerns me, but the glyphosate but that people need to be aware of. I mean, certainly I'm not qualified to speak on that. I'm the organic farmer, but yeah. with our approach of our soils and stuff, we hope that we can teach, you know, that's one of our passions is just teaching other farmers what what is a better way to farm so that they too can have their farm for generations. The scary idea of, you know, not letting your farm, you know, or or trying to keep your farm alive and well, you know, we all as farmers, it's a tough industry. We're burdened by debt in this industry, um, all of um, farming in the nation. Um, It's get bigger or get out kind of thing. And and you're just trying to survive. and, And they're doing the best they can. And then we as farmers, as organic farmers, we're doing the best we can, but we're learning things. We're on the edge and, and we're watching the changes just right, you know, through the years in front of our eyes and the, and the taste of our milk.
0: Wow. Yeah. I mean, sounds really t- quite trailblazing in the way that you come at um, at the methods. And it's it's fascinating to hear that while this is, is I mean, would you say the calling it regenerative uh, farming is something that, that kind of came up? a couple of years ago, or is this like something new that maybe
2: just I haven't come across just yet? It it is kind of a new term. I know just last year, um, Whole Foods, a big grocery buyer in in the United States, and they really identified it as their number one thing they wanted to educate consumers on. Mm-hmm. And I know from a, a farmer's perspective, that term is kind of scary a little bit, but if we just keep talking about the soil health, that's really what we're doing: it's soil right. health, soil health, just like gut health, gut health.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talk about that a lot here on, on, on EcoSocial. <laughs> yeah. So, the, so, really, I mean, my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, is you know anything that's grown or eats anything from the soil so in the in you know in the more animal kingdom versus the plant kingdom really the those nutrients that are coming from the soil is the foundation it's it's what is going to get into the milk it's going to get into the eggs it's yeah. going to get into the greens yeah. it's going to get into the grass that then the cows eat or the animals eat or whatever that is so
2: it's kind of that's really where it starts is that right yeah it is, it is. And really, that plant is a solar panel that's taking in all the carbon dioxide and all the um, all the stuff that, you know, we want to uh, take care of and take care of the earth. And then that plant, when the cow, so imagine, or just think about it, you have a, a bunch of grass and it's pretty tall in your um, pasture or our pasture. The cows come and graze it down. Well, when it was tall, that root mass was also long into the soil deep. And as that cow grazes it, that root mass kind of comes up and dies off. And that is all carbohydrates that feed that those microbes, feeds the soil. Mm-hmm. And those microbes growing and then um, nourishing the soil are building that organic matter that we keep talking about that's so important. And that's what's building soil health. And that's why rotational grazing is so important. That's why cattle are so important to this pro- problem solving of What can we do to make our earth better? What can we do to make our grasses greener? What can we do to provide better food? And it's rotating the cows all through the pasture. So we're moving cows every day to different paddocks based on what's allowed, they need based on their, um, basically their dry matter demand that they need to eat that day. We allocate pasture and we're moving them through. Then we leave that grass to rest and then it regrows. And that rest is important too, because that's causing the, the roots to go deep again and that's causing the pulsing in the soil and and getting the air pockets in there that's all good for that growth of that organic matter and soil health
0: wow that's really interesting because so many times you hear like you know that cows are the the problem the larger part of the problem of global warming and and just you know, right so many issues of e coli and like just they kind of so often comes back to the cows and from what you're saying, it's like they're actually part of the solution. That's something I definitely have not heard of
2: before. They definitely are um, part of the solution. There's a lot of research going on and, and people we hear speak about it. And really, when you um, do the research, you find that there were way more buffalo back hundreds of years ago on the earth. And we didn't have a problem of carbon sequestration or carbon um, problems. Yeah. We, we It's not the cattle that are the problem. It's, the you know, our modern day life and luxuries and, you know, automobiles and things like that, but, you know, that's a whole nother conversation, but cattle are part of the solution and we're really learning about that. I mean, it's definitely being learned and talked about more today than ever before. We started learning about just healthy soils and did it 20, 30 years ago, those practices. And now today it all kind of came full circle, especially when we look on our ranch and, the bald eagle mask cane, the Roosevelt elk cane, we were part of an endangered species comeback, and the frogs and then coho salmon that go through our stream. And I love being able to say, and by the way, we're organic regenerative dairy farmers. Wow. So just
0: all of this because you, you know, created the space, created the regenerative regenerative space, then yeah. just, yeah. just unfolded from there.
2: Oh, that's so cool. I think- thank you and I'm excited you're talking about regenerative because it really needs to be talked about more people need to understand that it's really all about the regenerative soil health and that's going to make a difference even in their own garden beds
0: well that I think this is really interesting because there might be some people out there thinking oh no is this like the new buzzword that I'm going to have to now go and look for on the marketing packaging of my label or things like that but really you know my the reason i I'm so thrilled to be talking to you about it is, is just to to expand the understanding of really what's going on out there, because there is very often a disconnect in going to the supermarket, choosing your veggies. And I know, you know, and I said this off the top as well, that people are doing the best that they can. They're really, they're really getting into, you know, how many colors can I have on my plate and, 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 you know, let them go get all the greens. Leanne keeps talking about the greens and how healthy they are for me. So I know that everybody's doing the best that they can. But, you know, there's always more steps moving, you know, moving forward. And also, as I said, you know, lessening the amount of chemicals that are going into our bodies is something that, yes, there's big movements about it. But then there's also the really individual movements about it, which is, you know, what you hand your dollars over for. And what you bring home in your, uh, you know, in your shop, in your shopping bags, put in your fridge, and then eventually put on your plate and feed yourself and your family for. So, you know, there's, there's just that overall lessening the load that can go in. And from what I'm hearing from you, because of the farming methods, you're not using a lot of those chemicals or any of those chemicals. Are there chemicals that you use or fertilizers or anything like that that's used in this?
2: No, we have a wonderful composting program. We take our manure solids and we use um, wood chip beddings for our baby calves and, and maternity barn. We mix that in. We get fish waste from the local fisheries and that gets mixed in. Any um, other um, di- compostable products that we get from our farm, those get mixed in and we turn that, turn that. And that gets applied to our um, our, our soils, basically, in the fall. we decide, I said earlier that we decide what we're going to concentrate on, and then we apply that, and that um, increases, um, you know, that health of that, that pasture. We also may throw new seed varieties that we want to incorporate, maybe deep tap roots, um, forbs, and, and, of course, rye and, and clovers that we grow well, and we just want to mix the stuff up so that they get a big salad plate to eat from as well when they're eating the grasses. And I'm really glad you mentioned, you know, the buzzword of regenerative because we're seeing it too in the marketplace. It comes down to know your farmer, know where your food comes from uh, because people are using it as a marketing buzzword, but I'm not sure I'm seeing the change in their soil and their practices. So we want to really hold them accountable. And that's why there's groups that are certifying. Um, There's um, the Savory Grazing Institute that does land to market certification. There's um, a rock with certification done by the, um, regenerative organic alliance. So there's, and there's, um, others out there. And we're just really excited to be a part of that movement. We were, uh, trials kind of their pilot farms for two of those that I just spoke of oh. and, um, able to give feedback and, and stuff. So we want the farmers to be a part of a program that they're held accountable so that the consumers can trust the certification seal in the term regenerative.
0: Now, while Chris and I are up here in Canada, and you're down in the U.S., is this something that is part of, you know, is it worldwide? Is it really just being focused in the U.S. at the moment? What's happening with that movement,
2: as you say? It is worldwide. Both of them are very much worldwide. Um, they they talk about their um, their savory hub, for example, across the world, um, where they're uh, improving the desertification that has happened in um, South America. Uh, in South Africa, for example, and things where they're realizing that when the animals are allowed to rotate in, then grasses start growing again and they rotate out and, and come back in again. As opposed to removing the animal, then you, um, get just grass that grows and then it dies off and that doesn't help the soil at all. And that, that causes gentrification and civilizations depend on, um, the practices of keeping things green and when you don't do that when you remove the animals that's not a good thing so yes worldwide it's a very much conversation.
0: So I'm going to put the links to not only your own website, but then also some of those that you've just talked about as well over on leannephillipson.com so people can start to look around because there are people all over the world that are listening to this. Um, lots of people mm-hmm. local, locally to us as well, but definitely within yes. the U.S. because if they're not in California, then you know, then maybe people are like, well, what's happening in Florida or wherever it happens
2: yes. to yes. be? So Yes, and another link I, I couldn't think of, but Rodale Institute also So does certification and that's a great link. And then Organic Center is a great link to just learn about organic foods and why we need to be supporting that.
0: Any information and details expressed during this podcast can be found at SproutRight.com or LeannePhilipson.com. Now, uh, we've, we've kind of just talked about general farming, but let's hear a little bit more about what, you know, what what happens on your farm, your focus being dairy and uh, the A2, A2 milk that you um, that you produce for anyone that has not listened to episode 63, which was our first introduction to that. Do you remember that, Chris, where we had? Uh, well, this is interesting because the farmer that we spoke to that was local to both Chris and I, um, up here in Canada, he had nine kids. Do you remember that Chris? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nine children. We, we, thought, and Steph- we,
1: we thought maybe it was something in the milk.
0: Yeah. And Stephanie, you have five children. <laughs> well, see, there you go. There's <laughs> more,
1: more proof that it's, it's obviously the milk. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Those tell us Stephanie a little bit about, well, yeah, and also about your family too, but you know, tell us a little bit about what goes on on your farm and, and what your focus is and why.
2: Um, well, like I said earlier, we're uh, fourth and fifth generation dairy farmers. Five kids, three of them are married and back in the farm, and so we're really excited. They're they're really a part of management. They're they're fluent in Spanish and just love what we do. And it was pivotal that we lived right across the street from our baby calves and our milk barn, just growing up, and we still do. Yeah. And so they all, you know, build it, and they will come build that soil organic matter, and you get all the wildlife come and we'll build a program, a, an organic regenerative program that is a viable business and the kids came back from college. So we're excited and blessed and so thankful about that. And when we went organic, um, 20 some years ago, we, you know, how do you do things organically? And we went to do conferences called acres USA in the Midwest. And really, the keynote speakers were doctors making a difference in people's lives by teaching them to go to the farm instead of the pharmacy. Mm-hmm. And then I became this nutrient dense, foodie, organic mama, cook, lineman speaker for our little five kids at the time. And Blake became this soil organic um, and grass enthusiast. So we really both found our individual passions that just marry up nicely. And, um, and then from there, we would just read and wanted to read more and learn more. And we came across the studies and um, stuff that was happening in New Zealand with the A2 Milk Corp mm-hmm. and really learned so much for them and learned about A2 milk. And basically, as a refresher for your listeners, um, A2 milk is the digestible protein in dairy. Historically, all milk was A2. All mammal milk is A2. And so breast milk, sheep, goat milk is A2. Some people say, I can't do dairy, cow's milk, but I can drink goat milk. stuff. And that's because they're sensitive to the beta casein. And so what happened, there was a mutation that happened many, many years ago, not just a few years ago. If they think even a thousand years ago, whereas that one bull that was given a lot of milk or daughters that had a lot of milk had this mutation. And then it just went prevalent in the modern breeds. And so whether it's Jersey or Holstein, we have tested thousands and thousands of cattle and there is a lot of A1 out there. And so you have to do a DNA test to see if the cow is A2, A2, or A2, A1, or A1, A1. So we're looking for the gene that she carries on the beta casein, one from mom, one from dad, or as far as we would say, one from the dam and one from the sire. And so we do that with a hair follicle sample. And test them. And then we record it in the computer and we know our whole herd. So what we produce at our dairy is 100% A2A2 organic milk. And we are getting people that are coming back to dairy. And especially the people that think they're lactose intolerant. Because what happens when you drink our milk, the first thing you notice is it's not slimy Your body just tastes mm. it and it's refreshing. I mean, so you're not getting that Stuff in the yeah. right. You're not getting that foreign protein, basically, because beta casein is the protein in dairy, just like gluten is a protein. And so you drink it, and then now you get it in your stomach, and that it's an amino acid chain protein, and there's um, these links that don't break apart, these seven links in the amino acid chain. So that's in your gut, and because it doesn't break apart, apart, you got the lactose starting to ferment because it's sitting there, and that's why you get the lactose intolerance symptoms. Then the next thing that happens, now you've got this foreign protein and it it crosses your, your gut barrier into your system. And now you have this foreign protein all throughout your system. And you get these autoimmune diseases and doctors say, well, get off gluten, get off dairy. And you start to feel better. Well, really, if you're drinking A2 milk, you are going to feel better because you don't have that foreign protein all through your
0: body when we recorded after we recorded episode 63 and, and got into it I did get a lot of feedback from listeners who who said you know wow I've really looked out for this and there is actually a lot more of it in the chiller cabinets that you can purchase at your at your supermarket or you know more of mm-hmm. a sort of a healthy supermarket if there's one around and they actually mm-hmm. they, they did actually find that it was better but all, the other thing that I noticed was that, or that you have is 6% fat milk. You know, in, in our cabinets, it's like 1% maybe or 2% or skim milk, which has no fat at all. And then if you're lucky, the what's the homogenized, Chris? Is it 3. 3%, 8? yeah,
1: 3.75 or something, yeah. <laughs> or
0: something like that percent. And yours is 6%. i have only ever seen that in sheep sheep's milk and sheep milk ice cream. So that's
2: incredible. It is. And, and part of it is if we're eating for nutrition and nutrient density, the nutrient density is in the butter fat. And 20 years ago, I learned about the health and and everything about fats and the healthy fats and where those healthy fats come from. And of course, cows on grass and learning that we wanted to make a statement, be a dairy disruptor. Hey, people come back to whole milk, get your kids on that whole milk. In fact, let's even do 6%. There's people in different countries. Of course, they grow up on the sheep and and other milk that is higher in butter fats. Or they grow up on a Jersey milk and it's higher in butterfat and they're so healthy. And so part of that or most of that being out there as a dairy disruptor is to call out, hey, come back to real food and you'll feel better.
0: I love that. The dairy disruptor bringing out the 6% cow milk. (laughs) That's fantastic. (laughs) And really, that's where a lot of the taste is. When people are are consuming skim milk or 1% milk, I mean, you know, I, I don't really do dairy much myself as my genetic profile suggested, but I gradually moved to that for the reasons that you've talked about. I just didn't feel great having it and felt more mucusy, and just, yeah, it just wasn't sitting right. So it would actually be really interesting to go back, uh, Chris, to even talk to Kashif and say, what this DNA test that you're doing um, from the DNA company, um, you know, is this to do with A1 or A2?
1: Mm. Well, we're an A2 family now. We we switched. Yep, yeah, we switched to A2. Yep. <laughs> wow. Very yep. good. Yeah, absolutely and it was purely because I have a wife who's lactose intolerant and I have two children who are lactose uh I don't know what the word is, sensitive, I guess is a sensitive. better way to put it. Yeah, or or what we thought was lactose sensitive and it turns out it was <laughs> the it was the A1 uh protein that was the problem. So now that we're at A2, suddenly there's Uh, milkshakes and there's milk on cereal and there's there's a whole bunch of crazy dairy things happening in this household now
0: (laughs) i didn't know that that's tremendous chris i mean i i know that it tastes the taste is a million times it's just different oh my gosh it's just different and even the butter that i that i've bought um i think it was yogurt and the the cream cheese so one of one of my daughters her putting cream cheese on a bagel was a favorite thing for a little while she's gone off it now but she said there is no better this the taste of the a2 cream cheese was You just couldn't get at that from anywhere else. She said it was so great. She said, please go back and tell the farmer because it's really, really good, mom. You know, so that from a, you know, she was 15 at the time. That from a 15 year old who doesn't have so much of a palate is actually quite an endorsement. (laughs) Wow, this is just incredible. So just for people who are listening outside of the, you know, the immediate California area. So your advocacy, what you're doing is really putting this out there. Thank you so much for speaking about this and if people want to find out more about your products are they available really just locally or can people get it far and wide
2: and they can get it far and wide so you spoke about the six percent we do have a line a whole line of bottled milks that are available on the west coast and basically west of the rocky mountains okay. you can find it nationally we have a product um, that's a carton half gallon And it's a 4%, so we also have dairy disruptor instead of the nationwide 3.25% and also a 2% or A2 organic milk. And so it can be found at most whole foods or all whole foods and most natural food stores. And so if a natural food store in your area doesn't carry it, you can certainly ask them to carry it. Mm -hmm. And if you want to learn more about our farm, we have a website, com. Yep. And we are happy to. (laughs) happy to mail a coupon um, to anybody or email a coupon so that they can give it a try.
0: All right. So Chris, we got to find out if we can find that up north of the border then. Do you know if it's coming north of the border? Maybe not. Maybe is it a bit different with the regulations? I, I think, yeah, I think yeah, that there It's different. It's yeah, different up here to down there.
2: all about dairy products going in and out of... <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure about that.
0: Yeah. And, well, you know, Chris, when, when when we cross the border, then I know what I'm looking
2: for. I think there you go. And Chris brought an interesting point about his family being sensitive to the lactose and learning that it was really the, the protein. It seems like more today than ever before, people are more sensitive to dairy. And I'm in my 50s and growing up, you didn't know people that were sensitive to dairy. And now it's more and more. And really, it's all the stressors we're exposed to. So anything your listeners and we all can do to decrease those exposures to the stressors is going to be better for our health. And you won't have all these symptoms that people deal with. And you can solve one at a time by switching what kind of products you're you're putting in your bodies and your children's bodies because we used to be so healthy and we need to go back to that ancestral health that we had in generations and generations and certainly millions and millions of people did dairy and never had problems and now all these stressors were having problems
0: yeah and i think speaking to the stressors is also the stress that the animals are under you know, and they're oh, yeah. they're, they're producing us uh, stress eggs or you know, stress milk or those kind of things. And I think even just broadening the understanding of, you know, yes, there's healthy soil can equal healthy people, but or or just yeah, there's also just healthy animals, as you said, these these cows that are just moving from pasture to pasture on your farm are part of the solution as a part, as opposed to part of the problem. That's, that's really powerful.
1: I've got the uh, Alexander family farm website up and sure enough, the first thing I'm on is this beautiful photograph of some very happy looking chillaxed cows roaming for in this beautiful, just vast valley of grass it might be the it's most beautiful most beautiful head of grass I have ever seen. It's it's massive. And they look like yeah. they're just having a great old a great day. <laughs> yeah. So they don't look stressed at all. So I can only imagine what the milk must be like coming from them.
0: I saw that when I checked out your website first. It's just beautiful. And then the elk and then uh and then the chickens. And I, I was like, okay, I know, you know, California. I've got great friends who are more in the southern part of California. So I was thinking, oh, maybe I just need to go a bit further north to come come have a visit at some point. It would be such fun. But it does look absolutely stunning. I have to say. It just evokes calm in me just looking at it. I can only imagine what it does for um does for the the animals and then therefore how that affects the people that are getting your products too
2: well we're truly blessed where we live we live where the redwoods meet the sea and so our microclimate our average daily temperature differs 11 degrees from winter to summer so it's Mm. perfect for animals perfect for families perfect for people to come visit because it's such a clean environment and The redwoods are just beautiful, the the rivers that are around us and and riparian zones that go through our fields are just gorgeous. And so please come visit, tell your friends. Our our local rural economy needs it.
0: Yes. Yeah. Okay. I sense a road trip coming up here, Chris. cross-country mind you but a road trip nonetheless well thank you so much Stephanie for sharing your experience your wisdom really for for giving us a whole bunch of aha ideas and and moments of thinking about you know thinking about the soil because that's where it starts and I love the correlation between the soil and the microbiome because that's really where my mind went when I was first looking into this it's like we talk so much about keeping our guts healthy this is kind of like the gut of mother earth really isn't
2: it exactly
0: it, it is yeah. yeah
2: we are taking care of it
0: well thank you so much and i'll put all the uh, all the links in the show notes on leanne phillipson.com so people can find out more about you as a dairy disruptor and also just really heading up this heading up this way of farming the regenerative organic farming so thanks so much for being on okay. today
2: Thank you. And keep doing what you're doing, Leanne. It's a it's, um, podcast like you that I love to listen to. It's my hobby and passion. that Nutrition, nutrients against foods. I mean, I'm a farmer at heart and stuff, but there's just a purposeful thing when we can be a farmer, making a difference for people's lives, for better food, for more people. Thank you.
0: Now, Chris, do you remember talking with the local dairy farmer in episode sixty-three? I mentioned it when uh, when we were talking to Stephanie about the A2 milk. I love. I didn't know that your whole family had changed to A2 milk. that's yeah. incredible. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah. well, wow. I thank, mean, it, thank you for sharing that.
1: It, it made absolute sense to me when we spoke to. I think his name was John, uh, if I yeah. do recall. Uh, yep. And I thought we'd we'd always had issues. With uh, the ladies specifically in my household with their tummies. And yeah. I thought, it can't hurt. It, yeah. it can't hurt. And they're big bakers too. So part right. of the, the – one of the worst things to you – no offense to the alternative milks out there. They're not, they're not the greatest to bake with because no, they don't have not a high fat content. No, they uh, not the And same. that does tend to, to sort of take the savory, I think, out of some of the really nice baking out there. So we decided, yeah. let's try A2. And sure yeah. enough, that does – tastes better number 1 and it it feels better which is the most important thing
0: yeah I love that. I love that. Well, I still get mine from MC Dairy. If anybody has more questions about this, head back to episode 63. That's where we can get ours locally. Of course, if you're in the U.S., then do anything you can to find find the Alexandra uh, family farm stuff. Because, yeah, I know what I'm, the cooler cabinet that I'm going to the next Whole Foods that I come across on a U.S. visit is definitely going to be that stuff. And, you know, like I, I still really don't eat that much dairy, but knowing that there are options if that's where I want to go and that it could sort out a lot of issues for people who just some people just can't live without it. And I still use butter and it's all the A2 still and it's organic. So, you know, again, these are the choices that I make to not just nip down to the, you know, the local supermarket and just grab what's, you know, what's there. Now, I also loved hearing about what's involved in regenerative farming and that it's something that I think is perhaps, as Stephanie said, already happening, where maybe we don't know that much about it. And maybe it's just giving it that term and using that word really differentiates a little bit. And I also love that there's the accountability where... Farmers are going to need to prove that this is what they're doing before they can just go and slap a marketing label on saying, oh, yeah, this is us. We're jumping on the next bandwagon. And, you know, I don't know if there's a cost difference in that as well, but I'm I'm grateful for all of those things being in place. Now their website and their social cha- channels for Alexander Family Farm they actually spell it with an r e on the end instead of e r so you'll get all of that over on uh, leanphillipsen.com their facebook and their instagram are all the same and wow just as you said about their website chris it really shows what they what they do now if this was happening all over the world you know as we're recording this is actually earth day today i mean what a celebration would there be that this that the cows are actually a part of making the planet better not that they have this bad name get have this bad rap for uh, for really making it so much worse and i just think mother earth would be better off so i wonder how this episode will impact you as you head out to do your next shop the expectation to change everything can be absolutely overwhelming so take in this information and just as chris said so clearly was This really is meant to empower you and it doesn't need to be an on the wagon kind of scenario, just like stepping on the newest diet or, 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 you know, jumping on that bandwagon and saying, okay, okay, we're going to do all of this at the same time. Mm -mm. It's just one or two decisions. Maybe it's just buying all organic berries. If you can do that, maybe you wait till the summertime when the cost, when it's not cost prohibitive, depending on where you live in the world. Maybe it is like Chris and his family doing, getting on that A2 milk. Um, and really just staying there if it works and it feels good all right let's do it maybe it's finding local farmers market like I do and one that actually has mostly organic produce if that's possible all these improvements any of these improvements can be impactful so don't shy away from the one or two things thinking that you know you can't do it all and then kind of why bother because it all helps Now, do you have a question or topic that you'd like me to talk about to do a deep dive into or find someone to take us on a journey of what's going on behind the scenes like Stephanie did today? Really, just so that we're all more knowledgeable about a topic. I didn't know about regenerative farming until somebody introduced me to it. So introduce something to us. Share it with me on my social media channels, Leanne Phillipson or SproutWrite Handles, or send an email through both websites, leannephilipson.com and sproutwrite.com. And while you're there on sproutwrite.com, please do check out my Take This by Leanne supplement line, knowing that while you're in this phase of up leveling, of doing things better one choice at a time, that there are some supplements there that can kind of bridge the gap while you're getting there to get your cells healthy. Really strong work to as you work towards eating more nutrient packed foods. So, for instance, the Kid Boost or the Skin Boost superfood powder, well, that really can be implemented. In your diet from today onwards, you don't have to go search for anything else further to that. And I've got a couple of great videos out on YouTube and on social media all about those. And also, of course, when, when we talked about high blood pressure last week, I went through a whole bunch of those. If you missed episode 114 to do with those. Now, if you can't find enough clean fish and you know the salmon running on the farm too, then the omega boost well that's impactful for so many things. Episode 109 was where I really went into take this by Leanne. And it was an absolute top episode that got a lot of response and a lot of people chatting. So head back to that episode if you want to know more about that. So thanks again for being along for yet another journey into learning. Thanks for sending in all your comments, your great feedback, your thoughts, and really for sharing this with family and friends. Chris, I have to share this story with you. Uh, um, a woman reached out to me on Instagram and she had a question. She wanted to know more about where, how to get in touch with Dr. Brockenshire when we went over concussions and brain health and traumatic brain injuries. and I shared that with her and then she said wow thanks so much for getting back to me so quickly sometimes i'm super quick and sometimes it takes me a day or two and she said oh my gosh every morning her and a group of teachers she she's a teacher at work or at school get together before class starts and they compare notes about the episodes of eat this that they've listened to and then they all chat about the things that they learned and there she said we're getting through all the episodes so quickly it's kind of like Sounded like a bit of a book club type thing where they all discussed all of it. Isn't that awesome? That is awesome.
1: You're part of the curriculum, right? Because I guarantee some of those conversations are pouring out into the classroom too. Why not? Right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. The last thing
1: I need is to run into every other person who now looks at the world like Leanne Phillipson, all right? I got a tough enough time just dealing with one. (laughs) But to have an entire <laughs> education system now infused with the, with the thoughts and ideas of Leanne Phillips, and oh gosh.
0: Yeah, look at worlds. Look at it, worlds. That ripple effect is happening. Uh, well, thank you, Chris, for everything that you do. Thank you to our lovely loyal listeners for being along for yet another episode. And like I said, sharing this with family and friends because our episode downloads are going through the roof. Make sure you are subscribed so you don't miss an episode. And while we're doing all of this, please remember to eat this one mouthful at a time.